everybody and welcome to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters this is katie weaver and i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime christy brower hello hello hey everybody it's wednesday yes so happy to be here on wednesday night case updates Uh, yeah did you eat your wheaties put on your running shoes do we dare say that the case updates tonight will be voluminous (laughs) <laughs> I think we and do some that. of you will know exactly <laughs> what that means. Voluminous is a great thing to say. Right? There is so much. Holy oh my gosh. Yeah. I brought, I'm drinking an energy drink. <laughs> Good call. That's going to help it. or not. We'll find out. Well, you'll talk real fast. We know that. Well, that's what we need. This is going to be rapid fire auctioneer style true crime. Right? We'll see. Uh, but there is a lot going on in the crime world. Oh, Lord. oh my God. Uh, I want to say hi to GB, Cranky, Barbara, Corin, Language of Horses, RJ. Welcome, everybody. I'm glad to see you guys here. And if you're listening later to the podcast, I want to welcome you also. Yes. want to leave you guys out. Uh, a lot of people listen to this show after the fact. Yes. They must be included. Oh, hello to Lynn and to Renee. Wait a second. Where's your sidekick? Where's the other Renee? There's only one Renee here. I don't know what to think about that. We're in the upside down. Well, hmm. also, I haven't seen JR. We have RJ, but I don't see JR. I know. So, well, hopefully concerned. the world will write itself here shortly. Though, I don't know. The world's pretty effed up, so we don't know. Yeah. I, mm, let's mm-hmm. not so, hold out too much hope there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kira. Uh, we're not, we don't read cases on this show. This is just case updates. But we are updating the West case first, in case you're curious, because, uh, oh, my God. So here's what happened to us last night, because it's all about us. Uh, we had a different show, because we record the night before, typically. Hey, yep. Paula. Uh, but we, so we were recording last night for today, and we were all set with our cases, with our whole episode. And then, then, news breaks about an arrest in the West case. And we went, well, no, no, no. We've got to scrap what we're doing. We have to pick up the West case. Right. So we did, which is good. But at the time, what was known is that there was a warrant issued for a Trezell West. Right. That's all we knew. We knew what the charges were. Two Mm -hmm. charges of second degree murder, two charges of willful cruelty to a child, and Mm -hmm. one charge of falsely reporting an emergency. That's what we knew. So we did the episode. And I swear to God, the second we hit post, go live on that episode, we learned that there was also duplicate uh, uh, charges for mom and that they had both just been arrested and brought in. It all happened at like the same freaking time. So. In our world, it sucks when that happens because mm-hmm. then when people watch your episode, they're like, "You don't know what you're talking about." Well, here's how the internet works. we we did at the time. <laughs> we did at the, the time, but then time marched on, and mm-hmm. boom. 
So we did in the case description, we did update it the best that we could, but that's the best you can do. I mean, the internet's forever, you know, but at any rate, so it just, our heads were spinning last night and yeah, that show has a lot of comments <laughs> from people that are like, excuse me. Well, we didn't know because no. we gave, we shared the information that was available at the time. Hey Fran, but now there's a lot more info available. And so we mm -hmm. want to make sure that we share a little bit more about what has happened in this case. So if you watched the update last night, or if you've been following this case, and you may have, these little boys have been missing now for about 14 months. Mm -hmm. uh, these are two little three and four-year-old little children from California, from California City, California, who went missing uh, purportedly right around Christmas time in 2020. The initial story was that the there were uh, six children in the home. Four of them, the four older boys, had all been taken to grandma's house so that mom could wrap presents, and only the two little boys were home. And dad says that he was carrying in wood and accidentally left the gate open, and the boys supposedly went missing. Just disappeared into the ethers, as children don't really do. And these guys were on the very edge of the desert. And so this triggered a huge manhunt for these boys that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. The police there have been absolutely rabid. They have. And I know some people, yeah. there have been frustration. It's taken a long time. But they have searched and searched. They've said in the news repeatedly, these are our kids now. Yeah. Uh, it made it even worse that uh, they're adopted we just keep hearing this lately. It is horrifying, but we can do all that another day. But yep, they are adopted. Two of the other boys in the family are adopted as well. And then there's two bio kids. But at any rate, um, so for the last 14 months, they've been searching. The parents have always been suspects. They have searched that house many times. They dug up the yard they have interviewed everyone a million times. They have looked and they have been looking at the parents, but mm -hmm. nothing. No. Well, what we know now is that about three months ago, a grand jury was convened and more than 50 people testified. The grand jury was taken on some uh, field trips. They met for quite a while. And that's what the result of that are these warrants. So it was a grand jury. And uh, that's a, big, a grand jury. Big deal, you guys, that is a huge, huge deal. It's not just an arrest warrant. Like they are already indicted. Like there's mm -hmm. no need for a preliminary hearing. Like, mm -hmm. no, they are indicted. So the mm -hmm. this means that the prosecutor's office has a huge amount of information and a huge mm -hmm. amount of evidence because that jury would not indict without no. proof. They've, no. they've got it. So here's what we are hearing now. Well, they only kind of kept it a secret. They tried to keep it a secret, but some of the news stations in Bakersfield were sniffing it out. And I'll tell you a little bit about that here in just a minute. But in uh, general, they are, grand juries are secret. Uh-huh. And the testimony given there is sealed. Like you can't just go like to the no. repository or whatever and get that information before no. a trial has occurred. No, it's all sealed up. Right. And the defense attorneys are not allowed. Yeah. Defense attorneys do not get to attend, nor do they get any of that information till it's over. 
Mm-hmm. However, there was a reporter from a local uh, Bakersfield news organization who thought that he knew what was going on. He had sniffed it out. Mm-hmm. And so he came to, he showed up in the courtroom where he had heard that they would be meeting. And a uh, bailiff came in and told him, uh, or a, a court uh, officer came in and told him, you can't stay in here uh, because these are these here these proceedings are close to the public, which just confirmed for him that that was the case. Uh, uh-huh. This was uh, KJET news, mm. and so he knew that much. And then uh, later in that day, I uh, was able to by continually keeping an eye on the uh, information. Uh, the you know the public information posted saw the warrant posted. And he broke the case and took it live. That's how we knew that there were warrants before they were even arrested. Yeah. But they hadn't been arrested. And here's why. They're transient. Yeah. They've apparently been living in a motor home. So when we talked last night about the fact that we were worried that Trezell might, hoping that he did get arrested before, you know, he offed himself or took off or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's because they were still looking for them. Yeah. Well, there have been all kinds of heroes in this case. And I agree with that, call me. They had plenty of evidence a year ago. This has taken a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, but to go about it, I mean, we've seen this before. Oh, we yeah. see this in the Daybell Vallow case. Mm-hmm. To go about it this way, what they've got likely are a bunch of people who did not want to talk publicly. A bunch mm-hmm. of people that didn't want the, mm-hmm. anyone to know. Um, yeah, that they were testifying. And so this is a way Mm -hmm. to get people's testimony when they wouldn't testify in open court. Otherwise. Yep. Yep. So family, friends, the other kids, you know, people like that, they're protected this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and don't forget, yeah, that, uh, there are four older kids. Now we've seen some other cases recently broken by the older kids who yapped and we wondered if that was part of what happened here because now the prosecutor's saying that they do believe that the boys were dead for three months before that 911 call was made. That was completely erroneous. Yep. They are, there were four other kids in the home at the time that the boys went missing. The other four kids were taken into custody and they have remained in custody uh, in fact, the state or the county has been suing Jacqueline and Trizel uh, for child support for those kids for months. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So last night, something pretty amazing happened. The police were looking for Trizel. Of course, we knew that uh, there had been charges. Uh, we didn't know about mom for a while. I'm not really sure why, but, you know, we knew about his. So There's a little post office, like, I don't know, 15-ish miles outside of Bakersfield, Mm -hmm. where somebody recognized him, a patron, asked him if he was Trezell West. And he said, no, he's not, but he does know Trezell. So this guy knew it was Trezell. So he followed him outside and took a picture of his motorhome and of the license plate and posted it on the internet and also called the police. And around 7 p.m., of course, uh, he was arrested along with Jacqueline, which is pretty amazing. This guy's an absolute hero for having the the presence of mind to do that. 
So the arraignment is tomorrow morning. We'll find out who their attorneys are at that time. At this point, there is no bail on the table and we'll learn a little bit more. So that's, you know, the basics of what we know. I mean, it's just huge. So we do know, of course, about the grand jury. Uh, the bodies have not been recovered yet. Uh, they are still looking. They may not ever find the bodies, but the prosecution is saying that they're still really confident in this case and that mm -hmm. they've been successful with other cases without bodies and they feel like they'll be okay. Especially little children. I mean, they don't just run off and start a new life like all these women always do that go missing, yeah. according to, you know, ridiculous crap. Totally. Uh, televised arraignments, hoping, Kira, really, really hoping. We don't know yet. We're going to watch. Uh, here's one thing that we learned that is just particularly disgusting. The night that Trezell supposedly was out looking for the boys before calling authorities. See, what he did is he, he created a stink in his neighborhood you know, talking to the neighbors saying, my boys, they're missing before he called the police. So that, you know, it just looks so credible, apparently. And one of the neighbors, he told him he was looking for two little black dogs that got loose. What? Yeah. Is he that called them dogs? Dogs. Uh, really bothered the neighbor. And, you know. So the neighbor knew, like, he was referring to children. Uh, the neighbor... I, he did later. I don't know that he did at the time, but okay, yeah, he actually that is... said he was looking for two little black dogs. What yeah. the hell? Instead of two little black boys. Yeah. Anyway, that has not sat well with people because, no. God damn it, these people. Yeah. <sighs> so that's what we know. Yes, the grandparents do smell. Absolutely. Uh, there is a lot of talk that there are more arrests coming that this was the first round and that there are more arrests coming with uh, family members that absolutely covered for them. Yeah. And so that's absolutely possible. I uh, want to thank listener mm -hmm. Fran. She really helped us with information on this case because uh, she's amazing. And uh, well, and it's moving so fast. It's been, <laughs> it's there's been so fast. nothing. And then like yeah. this explosion yeah. of yeah. stuff, it's, um, yeah. oh my God. But it, yeah. it answers so many questions about why they never found any, Yep. Anything of these Any kids. Any hint of those kids. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They were never there to begin with. Nope. Ugh. So that's what we have for now on the West case. I'm going to recommend that you follow someone on YouTube called Duty Ron. Some of you probably already do, but Duty Ron is a retired New York City police officer. He really breaks down cases well. He's amazing. And he has covered this case really, really well. And so I would watch his stuff. He's done a really, really good job. Yeah, supposedly Grandma worked for CPS. There's all kinds of stinky stuff in this case. Yeah, there's... Including CPS. And so, yeah. Right, yeah. There are rumors that... Because I questioned yesterday when we were talking about this, how they adopted those boys so quickly through mm -hmm. the system. And how did... How did parental rights get severed as, as quickly as they did and adoption have... I've been through this. It takes forever. So it seemed weird. Well, and both bio dads, the little boys had different bio dads. Both bio dads claimed that they were never contacted by CPS. They were never given an opportunity to take their own boys back. So then I don't think that adoption is even legal. 
right? What the hell really happened? Yeah. I think lots of heads are going to roll in this one. It How sure do we know they like were it. killed before they were reported? Uh, the, just because the prosecutor's saying so. That all we know so far, because uh, we haven't seen the downside for the public of the uh, grand jury is that we don't get to see a preliminary. So that's where you get sometimes some bombshells, you know, some info we didn't know in the past. We won't get that this time. But yeah, we won't get much of anything really. That because that's all trial evidence. And so they'll just hang on to it till it's time for trial. Which, you know, we want a clean and fresh jury for these fools. So for sure, for sure, we'll take it. But speaking of fools, Christy, will you Mm. please? You're not the fool. (laughs) Will you talk to us a little about the uh, updates in the Daybell Vallow case? Yeah. Okay. So we've got some pretty interesting things happening. So it's finally March, which means there are several hearings coming up in the Daybell Vallow Mm -hmm. uh, debacle. Um, The first that's coming up is that, okay, so John Pryor, who is Chad Daybell's attorney, has filed a memorandum in support of motion for severance. So they want to sever Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow Daybell's trials. Mm -hmm. So they were indicted together by a grand jury. Mm -hmm. And um, John Pryor wants to sever that joinder. So the, the, the memorandum is real light on evidence and information really at all. It's only five pages long. He does cite a couple of court cases. And one of the things that he brings up is that when a case is joined, if one defendant is accused of something and another defendant isn't, that that could get confusing for the jury. And what he's saying is that because um, Lori is uh, potentially you know, going to be charged in Arizona for um, Charles's death. God, I'm trying to remember his name for her previous husband, Charles's death. Mm-hmm. That maybe that could muddy the water. So that's really about the only thing that he gives mm-hmm. at all. So then um, as is the case all the time with the uh, prosecution in this case, this is, it's much more um, well-detailed. It's a 26-page brief. Basically, here, here are the things that you, that you have to go. No, courts support joinders. Courts want joinders. Mm-hmm. Case law supports joinders for judicial economy and efficiency. So to not have to pay for the same trial twice... And to protect the defendant who goes first, because the defendant that goes second in a case that has been severed, they um, there's they have some uh, leg up because um, they've already seen all the evidence that the prosecution right. has. So it's not necessarily fair. To do it's that. It's also much harder to pick a jury the second time around. It is. It is. Everything's out there. Well, and that first um, verdict will make it harder too. Yep. You know, 
So, you know, basically it's on Daybell and his attorney to bear, they bear the burden to prove that there's prejudice here. And basically they're saying there just isn't prejudice here. They're charged with the same crimes. Mm-hmm. The only prejudice could be coming from that Arizona case. And basically what they're saying is that the judge will instruct the jury about mm-hmm. what they can, you know, consider for each. But, you know, for each defendant. Mm-hmm. But they're saying, really, I mean, it's not even in Idaho. It's not even, you know, a part of this case. It's completely separate. Right. And so basically, Pryor's just saying they're picking on us. This isn't fair. Mm-hmm. And the state is saying you haven't even come close to meeting the burden mm-hmm. of proving that there is, in fact, prejudice. They, and, and they right. really they haven't. And so I don't know what's going to happen in the hearing because Pryor said that he has some things he's going to present in the moment. You know, this mm-hmm. is the stuff they filed beforehand. Yeah. Then there's going to be. Um, there's some arguing back and forth, but I think, you know, at this point, it's very unlikely that they're going to get it. I had said Mm -hmm. at one point that I thought it might be a good thing. I still kind of do only because Chad could get tried and out of the way Mm -hmm. because we don't know how how long Lori's going to be in the hospital, but reading these and, and looking at what the burden of evidence is, I think it's really unlikely that this sever, that the severance is going to be granted. Mm-hmm. Because Pryor has not met his burden of proof at all. And yeah. the state can come back and show over and over and over again why this case um, is a great uh, candidate for. Mm-hmm. And it was joined correctly in the first place by the grand jury. And the courts are pretty unwilling yeah. to undo a decision like that unless there's a really good reason. The thing is, these guys are charged with the same crimes. It's not as right. though like one of them is charged with something that the other one isn't charged with. No, that's right. not the case. They are charged with exactly the same things. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they're I don't think this is going to be successful. Interesting. Looking at it. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, over and over, his whole argument is this is very prejudicial. Yeah, he just keeps saying it, and that's just dead air. Yeah, right. And that's what the prosecutor says: is that like, um, just saying it doesn't make it true. Like, you need actual proof that this is the case. And Mm -hmm. and the thing is, it isn't necessarily prejudicial Mm -hmm. at all, really, to be charged with exactly the same crimes. Yeah, Pryor is a much better attorney than Mark Means. However, he is so outmatched by this prosecutorial team; it's just not even funny. He is very much so. I mean, the the difference in these two briefs is crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. Um, so I would imagine that nearly everything was spelled correctly. Yes. Yes, it was. It was very that. close. Yeah. Um, so GB, no. What we're talking about with the severance would just simply mean would they be tried separately for the crimes that they've committed? Right. Or that the, you know, the crimes, yeah, for the same crimes. Mm-hmm. What the state wants and the judge wants and what the law really supports is that they will be tried together. Mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see just on the same note will the west have a joinder i would imagine yes mm-hmm. do the crumblies or will the crumblies have a joinder i'm going to assume yes mm-hmm. they might already i'm not sure i think they yet. already do because they were just they they are now indicted right yes that that that's a part of tonight in fact yeah, uh thanks for the lead in because that's where we're headed right <laughs> speaking of other fools let's talk about the crumblies 
two big uh, rulings in Crumbly's cases this week. Uh, the first of which is Ethan, because mm-hmm. his attorneys have been arguing that they wanted him to be returned to a juvenile facility because he's been being held in an adult facility. And holy shit, no. You know, every time they go back to court, that ends up with the prosecutor having to roll out a little bit more of what they have. Right. And there were some barn burners in this one. He, a few things that we know from Ethan's journal is that, and from some texts that he sent, are that he had been practicing with Molotov cocktails at home. Uh, considering just using Molotov cocktails and just trying to bomb the shit out of his school. My God. We know that he found eight baby birds in the woods near his house and slowly tortured them to death. God. And we know that he had hoped to kill as many people as humanly possible at his school. So, basically... And I'll give you a little bit more when I talk about the parents, because kind of this info really overlapped this week mm-hmm. in their two uh, appearances in court, Ethan's and his folks. But at any rate, um, basically, the judge said it's just so inappropriate to try and put this kid in a juvenile facility because he's absolutely dangerous yeah. and we can't keep other kids safe from him. So, no, he has to stay where he's at. But he has managed to. Uh, communicate with the public several times a day, including emails he's receiving from across the globe. Yuck. Emails of support this boy is receiving. Support, for Christ's sake. We are living in the upside down. Oh, my God. Yep. He, they said that he is eating, reading books, playing video games, talking to others, watching TV, and basically just doing just fine where he's at and there's no reason to move him and put other people at risk. So that was the ruling. He will stay put. But we learned more about the journal in Jennifer and James's trip to court. So they were in court this week as well to uh, decide whether or not they are going to be held over to stand trial. Yeah. Preliminary hearing. Mm -hmm. Survey says. Yeah. Yes, they are. They're going. But I wanted to share a few things from his journal that was shared in court because holy hell. Here's a few things that he said. And mom and dad are just sobbing it up, you guys. They're just crying, both of them, like on cue. I mean, I know they're not supposed to talk to each other in court now, but they are side by side. You know, they're just flanking one of the attorneys and the tears. Oh, my God. The drama. Mm -hmm. You would almost think that they're sad that they're being charged, but uh, not not sad what, for what their child has done. No, hell no, just sad that they're they sad are they're in, in trouble. So much trouble, especially when they heard all this today. So here's their little tears flowing, and here's why. This is what was read when they were crying from Ethan's journal. I'm sorry for this, mom and dad. I'm not trying to hurt you by doing this. I have to do this. I hope my parents can forgive me for what I have to do. I will cause the biggest school shooting in Michigan's history. I will kill everyone I fucking see. I have fully mentally lost it after years of fighting my dark side. 
My parents won't listen to me about help or a therapist. Mm. The first victim has to be a pretty girl with a future so she can suffer like me. I have zero help with my mental problems and it's causing me to shoot the school. My parents won't listen to me. My God. Yep. It's right there. It's right there. It's right in front of their freaking faces. How was he practicing Molotov cocktails at home? Because he was home alone all the time. Yeah. Because nobody was paying any attention to him. Can you imagine finding out that your son has been practicing with Molotov cocktails? Yeah. I mean, would I be surprised that a teenage boy would try something dumb like that? No, I would not because I have raised one. Uh, Lots of teenage boys have tried stuff like that. But not because they were planning on using them on their school. No. And, like, he's practicing them alone at home? Mm. I mean, talk about paying no attention. My God. None. It's just so sick. So, big news, though. And, yeah, I'm sure they were crying. That sounds real bad for them. Surely does. And I'm sure there's plenty of regret now that they never actually bothered to listen to their son and take care of him. But they weren't home. They were busy bears. They were busy working. They were busy playing with their horses. And honestly, I think they were want some of these people who don't trust authority, don't trust doctors, don't trust, you know, doing things like, you know, mental health care. Yeah. So there you go. That is what's up there. I mean, if they are not the poster child for what every parent better be figuring out about their own kid, I, you know, holy crap, their culpability is just unbelievable. Yep. It's just never ending. And it's, I mean, if there were ever a more damning statement than what's written right there in that journal, I don't know what is. Right. Right. A kid who literally has tried to get help. And has been ignored to this point. Mm-hmm. God. It's unthinkable. So, moving on from that, because there is still so much more to go over tonight. There is uh, a little bit of movement. Uh, well, not movement, I guess. But there's a little bit going on with Brianna Taylor. Uh, Christy, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, yes. Okay, I have to say this. Yes, Cranky. And then they purchased him a firearm. Yeah. Yes, after they knew, they knew, or should have known, then they purchased him a firearm. My God. Okay, go ahead. Hang on one second. I just got paywalled. <laughs> oh, Paula said, do you think if he had gotten treatment, he could have been helped? Sure. Sure. Yes. Well, I, I think that he, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that he could have, I don't know, not m- murdered kids. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on right now in Breonna Taylor is that um, there's an officer in court. And, you know, no one's been charged with her death. This isn't about her death, Mm -mm. but it's partially. So there is an officer who fired on fellow officers. After she was shot. Yeah. Shot another officer in the leg. This guy is Brett Hankinson. And what he said is that he thought that the 
when the police were firing on Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend, that it was, they were being fired on, not firing on, if you know what I'm saying. So like they're shooting at Breonna and her Mm -hmm. husband, her boyfriend. And this officer takes that to mean that, that, that the people in the apartment are firing on the cops Mm -hmm. and he fires and he shoots another cop. I don't think he did hit another cop. Didn't he? In the lane? No. What he did is he showed, shot a bunch of bullets into the neighboring apartment. No, officer shot another officer in leg. Oh, okay. I'm seeing something yeah. different than you are. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, he shot him in the leg. Shot another officer in the leg because he starts firing. Because mm-hmm. he thinks they're getting fired on because he hears all this gunfire. Let's mm-hmm. just let's just think about that for a moment. He yep. hears all this gunfire. He has he immediately thinks they're being fired on. Not that the police that are in front of him, because this is a whole mm-hmm. like team of SWAT yeah. or whatever. Um, right. The neighbor yeah. apartment did have bullets through the wall. That mm-hmm. did happen. But yeah. he did actually also hit a fellow officer because his first thought was they were getting fired at. Not mm-hmm. that his officers ahead of him would have been firing into this apartment. Yeah. It's ridiculous. These guys just went full on Wild West. Just well, shooting. Just and shooting. this guy is the only person to face mm-hmm. any charges over any of yeah. this. And it's not about Breonna Taylor's murder or yeah. about the injury to her boyfriend. This yeah. is about him basically friendly fire. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Makes me yeah. really mad. Like he's an idiot. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, he was. Fi- it was dark, and he was outside. He was. He said he was firing towards the muzzle flashes he was seeing. Because, as you do, I mean, what yeah. the hell are you doing, dude? Yeah, he doesn't know who he's firing at or mm-hmm. who's firing initially. You know, yeah. just makes an assumption, and and yeah. this is the guy that goes to jail. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh. It's insane. An Just insane. He does uh, say in, tri- in the trial that's going on currently that uh, a lot of things went wrong that night. Yes. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could make a list right now. Mm-hmm. That's a mess. Okay. Well, we have two cases right now of jurors that uh, are probably going to cause retrials or maybe... <sighs> So I'm going to do Scott Peterson. Will you please talk about Maxwell? I surely will. Are you ready? Uh, Well, go ahead. Okay. So this is Scott Peterson and his attorneys, of course, are pushing really hard for a new trial because of one of the freaking jurors. Uh, Yeah. And she, oh my God, it's so frustrating. This is Rochelle Nice. Rochelle started writing Scott Peterson after the trial and asking him questions like, why do men cheat? Because she had a boyfriend that cheated on her and she was still really hurting about it. Well, she is now being accused of being biased against Peterson because of that affair. And it's being used against her and against the courts, essentially, to try to force a new trial. And she also apparently in the hearing in on the questionnaire and, and she, by the way, has been given uh, 
Lord. What's the right word? Immunity? Yes, thank you, my God. Too much in my head. She's been given immunity. So now she can just say whatever without uh, getting in trouble because she lied on her jury questionnaire. The jury questionnaires are killing us lately in court. Killing us. Because people are either not forthcoming, whether they don't understand them or they don't want to understand them or why, why, why. Anyway, one of the questions on the questionnaire is if you have been involved in any kind of legal proceedings or crime or anything of that sort mm -hmm. uh, or a victim of a crime were involved in a lawsuit. And she said no. But that wasn't true. In 2000 and 2001, she was involved in a domestic dispute with her then boyfriend and then another dispute with his ex-girlfriend. She actually reached out for a restraining order at the time because she feared for her unborn child. And she didn't disclose any of that. Yeah. So she said she didn't feel like she was a victim in either of those disputes. And that's why she didn't disclose it in the jury selection process. But they're leaning heavily on that to try to get Scott Peterson a new trial. Which is just absolutely terrifying. It I is. Mean, and a lot of experts think he's probably going to get it. Yeah. To put so great her family through that. It's just. My God, you know? Yep. yep. Unbelievable. But in other cases of jury nightmares, mm -hmm. tell us about what's going on with the Maxwell case. Okay. So we've all heard about this. We've talked about it quite a bit. This is juror number 50 who just did not disclose on his questionnaire that he had been sexually abused as a child. So then right after the her conviction, he goes right out onto the talk show circuit like an idiot. Yeah. Talking like a, about. Like a superstar. Yeah, like he thought he was real special. And so he goes out and talking about that. And he says that, that he was molested as a child. And, and so this case really affected him. Then he talks about how he and the he talked to the other jurors about that and told them about it. And so now mm -hmm. they're saying that, you know, this could be reason for a, a retrial. They may have to try her again because of this. So right now what's happening is that um, the judge has set a hearing because he wants to question juror 50 under oath. He or she. Wait. Is this a... It's anyway. A the judge. We have so many cases right now and there, there are several female... Not judges. So anyway, that's true. So he, his attorney, Juror 50's attorney, has put a letter into the court that says, "I write to inform the court that Juror 50 will invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination at the hearing." So he's basically just going to plead the fifth and not talk. So now the prosecutors have sent the judge another letter. <laughs> The government writes to notify the court that it is in the process of seeking internal approval to seek an order pursuant to federal law compelling juror 50's testimony at the hearing. So mm -hmm. basically what it would do is um, he if he did give testimony that um, it he would be protected from 
um, charging him for making a false statement because nobody's trying to go after him, really. Yeah. They're just trying to decide, do they have to retry Ghislaine Maxwell? Which just makes me feel sick to think mm -hmm. that. Yep. It's awful. No. It's awful. Yep. It is. So, you know, it, it's just going to depend on what the judge thinks. I mean, he's going to... Mm -hmm talk to this guy on Tuesday and see if he thinks that this was enough to, to hurt the whole situation. I just, these questionnaires, God, I just goes to show how important they are that you're honest, you know, and clear yeah. and don't perjure yourself or do something stupid. Oh, it's very frustrating. Well, uh, the jurors are supposed to keep their mouths shut after a big trial like that. Right. Just don't. Yeah. Don't hit the talk show circuit for Christ's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. So, yeah, well, that's a really disheartening one, I think. I think so, too. Well, uh, I'm going to change gears and talk a little about Serenity McKinney. So if you guys remember, we covered the Serenity McKinney missing child case here a few weeks ago. And shortly thereafter, her body was found buried in the woods. So her mother and mother's boyfriend. This was in Kentucky uh, when the police uh, started leaning and looking uh, for this child, who was another one of those four-year-olds that's been missing for like six months or more, a year maybe with her. They're not quite sure. Uh, the autopsy hasn't been released yet. So we don't know how long Serenity's actually been dead, but it's been easily six to eight months, maybe more. But uh, they fled and were picked up in Kansas and extradited back to Kentucky. Well, they finally stood in front of the courts today. And in court, we discovered something that we had heard rumor of and talked a little bit about, that mom is seven months pregnant. Yes. Her, this is Catherine McKinney. She actually goes by Abby, but that's her official name, and Dakota Hill. So they stood in front of the judge. Sorry, not today, yesterday. Uh, they both pled not guilty. There's a million-dollar bond for each of them right now. The charges are murder and abuse of a corpse. So Abby's public defender asked the judge to diminish her bond to 20000 so that she could get out of jail so that she can get the medical care she needs because she is 20 or, or seven weeks. I almost said seven, 20 weeks or 20 months. Anyway, she's seven <laughs> months pregnant. She's not 20 months pregnant. She might feel like it right now. Mm -hmm. uh, seven months pregnant. Uh, so she should get out. She should get out. I mean, she only just killed one kid. So let's let her out right now. Yeah, definitely she needs to be held and an eye kept on her and that baby needs to go somewhere safe. Yeah. So the judge said pass. So they are both going to stay in jail at million dollar bonds and mm -hmm. we'll be seeing more of them soon. So at least in Serenity's case, they have found a body. It still makes me wonder, where is Harmony Montgomery? Where is Harmony Montgomery? Goddamn. And also... Where is Oakley Carlson? Yeah. We also covered Oakley Carlson recently. This is in Oakville, Washington. And there is a little bit of new information uh, that the investigators have put out in her case. So there's just some bullet points that they put out. So I'm going to share them. They said Oakley was reported missing after deputies arrived at her family's home on December 6th, 2021 to perform a welfare check. That's important. After they came to do a welfare check, they went, oh, yeah, and also our daughter's gone missing. 
Yeah. What the hell? Investigators say she was last seen February 2021 in Oakville, Washington. We know that Oakley's parents are facing charges of child neglect in connection with Oakley's older sister. Oakley's older sister required uh, specialized medical care and growth hormones. Oh, right. Yes. Had not given her in 18 months. Oh, my God. We also know that no one has been charged yet with Oakley's disappearance. They haven't charged them. I'm sure they're working on it and building a case. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now they're holding them on other charges because that's what they have. So those were the things that were just recently, just this week, released. Uh, I think it's just some clarification, really. But where in the world is Oakley Carlson? They have been searching the woods. They were living in a house that belonged to a relative on something like 30 or 40 acres or or more. It was a big acreage. And I know they've been searching those woods for this poor little girl, but we don't know yet what's going to happen there. But that's the update in that case. Good question. Where is Cody Bigsby? And no movement on his case this week. Where is Summer Wells? We know Don Wells has been in trouble again for DUI. I think that's all we know right now. Yeah. But um, do we ever get psychic info about these cases? I think you refrain from them because they're unsolved and for the families. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah, do. We do. We do. We and, do. and those are things that we, you know, if, if, because Christy and I both read professionally when people come to us for, you know, professionally for this work and we do read for them that way. But yeah, it, ethically, and I know you guys have seen it in some of the other cases as of late, some psychics who get really gross about these cases, really attention seeking, really off topic. Yeah, uh, and do and say very, very hurtful things uh, for the families that are going through these things. We just don't want to be that person. So no, yeah, we've we been don't. really careful. So we just don't do it. And I'm sure sometimes people don't like what we do and say too. I mean, I, I get it. This is true crime sucks, and it's you know it's interesting and it's we all like it. It's why we're here. But at the same time, you know, this is hard stuff to talk about and hear about mm-hmm. sometimes. So okay. anyway. Yeah. I don't know if we're classy or we're just, uh, you know, I don't know what. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you know we go ahead. Oh, well, we just both, you know, we've, we've done this kind of work for a long time and, mm-hmm. and there's an ethical way to do it and an unethical unath- mm-hmm. way to do it. And we both, you know, personally mm-hmm. have strong ethics and we don't, mm-hmm. we want to, we want to help situations, not hurt them. Yeah. And we want to help people and not mm-hmm. hurt them. And that's and, why we are doing this the way that we do it. And sometimes just sharing information like this is the best way. It you is. know, sometimes mm-hmm. putting focus on missing persons cases or just like with all of us really exploring the judicial system and understanding it more. Yeah. How many of you guys have been completely blown away since you started studying true crime about what you didn't know about our judicial system? Right. I can tell you I have been. Wow. Right. About the way the system works and about the way the system is supposed to work the way versus the way it has, it does, mm-hmm. and how there's really more than one system depending on the color of your skin mm-hmm. and, you know, the mm-hmm. balance in your bank account, you know, like Thank there's you. a huge difference. Yeah. And all we can do is learn and understand. It helps to, you mm-hmm. know, if we understand it, then we can exact change on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Where are we? Oh, how about, uh, let's talk about the Bingham County Sheriff's uh, case. (laughs) Oh, can we? we? Because this is funny. 
you guys probably remember we covered this case um, a while back. In a, I think it was in a segment. This is um, Bingham County Sher Sheriff Craig Rowland. This is the county that borders the county I live in. Mm -hmm. And so he was charged. There was an incident that happened in front of his house in November where um, a, a, an adult with some young girls were, were doing a They were doing a church activity and they put a note on his door that was a thankful turkey. It was a, and the note was for his wife. Right. It wasn't even for this asshole. Yeah. No. And he came out and he freaked out at them. Mm. The, the woman um, in the car with the girls, he grabbed her by her hair. He pointed a handgun at her, threatened her, threatened the kids. Put a handgun on the kids. Yeah. Yeah. We even just run around all of them in the car. And yeah, he's just a real jackass. So he mm -hmm. had a preliminary hearing and has been held over to district court for trial. So this is a big thing that's going on here because he's mm -hmm. a local sheriff, you know. And he is still the sheriff, guys. Yes, he is still the sheriff. There he is on um administrative leave. Mm -hmm. Until this is resolved, they're not mm -hmm. going to remove him mm -hmm. unless he's convicted, even though he said some really racist, ignorant stuff after mm -hmm. this happened that caused a lot that, you know, all kinds mm -hmm. of people called for him to resign yeah, immediately. About the, the local uh, Indian reservation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the, and the tribal council wanted him to resign. And mm -hmm. so does the mayor and the city council and the chief of police. And like, everyone's oh like, uh, yeah. see ya, your time is up here. He is refusing to resign mm -hmm. and they're waiting to see if he's going to be convicted, but we're one step closer mm -hmm. because he has now been indicted and held over for trial. Mm -hmm. So his attorneys say, this is just a political witch hunt. They just don't like him. Are you freaking kidding yeah. me? The woman that he threatened is his next door neighbor. And yeah. he was in such a freak out. He didn't mm -hmm. even recognize her. Yeah. Like the dude is unhinged. Mm -hmm. He needs to be done. He sure should not have guns. Yep. Yeah. No, definitely should not have guns. He, he has had to turn over his guns for now. He has. Yeah. It was part of it. Yep. Oh, yes. His defense said it was self-defense and the girls were guilty of illegal entry because they opened the screen door to put a note on the front door. Oh, for hell's sake. So then, so then every person out putting out political flyers is guilty of illegal entry because they open your screen door? Um, mm -hmm. No. Yeah. It, was he drunk, Cranky? It's a really good question. He opened the door. It, he was wearing long underwear, for Christ's sake. And screamed at his wife this to get his gun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which she did, of course, being, I'm sure, his long-suffering wife. Ugh. Heavy on the suffering. Mm -hmm. It's so wild. Yeah. So we'll keep following it because, uh, well, we think it's uh, just desserts for him. Uh, yeah. We want this dude out of law enforcement in our community for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't someone open, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. open your screen door to knock on the door? Yes. That is not illegal entry. Right. It's that so indefensible that that's what they came up with. I mean, is yeah. Mark Means on this case? Come well, on, this man. was a group of teenage girls out doing something nice for women in their community. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> they didn't have one damn thing to do with this dude. 
anyway. Nope. So not at all. Yeah, it's really screwed up. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's 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 going to trial. So yeah, we're glad to see that. Yep, he's getting his. I can't believe he's still the sheriff. However, yeah, it's ridiculous. He says he's elected by the people, and if the people don't want him here, then they can do something about it. Otherwise, he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. This is a community. I don't know what the statistic is in Blackfoot. This is in Blackfoot, Idaho. Uh, but I would imagine Blackfoot is somewhere around 80 to 85% Mormon. Mm-hmm. And these were Mormon ladies that he attacked like that. And the voters aren't going to be having this, bro. They're no. not. Birds of a feather flock together and they're not going to support you when you attack their teenagers with a gun. Right. While they were on a church service outing. Are you kidding? Yeah. yeah. No. It's only is... in Idaho, Fran, right? Good Lord. Yep. So there's that. Uh, oh, Susan Powell. Uh, the We've been talking for weeks now about them. Uh, you know, the guys that were digging up the mine and brought up a bunch of stuff and had some bones and some clothing tested, hoping to have found Susan Powell. Sadly, it was not Susan. The bones really were animal bones and the DNA on the pants matched men, not women. Yeah. So not Susan, sadly, but, uh, you know, her, her family has been so gracious and sweet about it and just so grateful that people are still talking about Susan and looking for Susan and still give a shit about Susan. So I think all in all, it's been a good thing. And Mm -hmm. I big props to the guys that really tried and they spent a ton of money and time they did looking for susan so hey you know what yeah it's at least a good testament to her you know that people still care that she that she be found yeah and just still remember that she existed and she matters yeah yeah exactly okay uh on monday we talked about mason dominguez he's the little guy that was Mm. found in the freezer in las vegas Uh, We had said we'd update that case because uh, the mom's boyfriend that was charged in this uh, was in court on Monday morning. And the only thing that happened is that uh, nothing. (laughs) He was just arraigned. Uh, He didn't didn't plea and they didn't offer any bail. So there's no bond. He's just still in jail and he'll be back in court soon. So that's really the only movement in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Christy, what have I missed? Oh, gosh. Our list was so big. Let me see if we've missed anything. We wanted to get through it all. It's just crazy how... Mm-hmm. Oh, we... Barry Morphew. Oh, Barry Morphew. Yes, I was going to say there's one more. Yeah. Let's see. Were you doing Morphew or was I? You were. Okay, let me get to it. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Okay. So the Morphew case just keeps getting dumber, you know, and we have (laughs) said all along that we were very worried that Barry Morphew would be acquitted because the prosecutor has not done a good job. No. And it's really, really uh, chaotic and disorganized and they have made some really serious mistakes and it's just, it's worrisome because I think most people still think that Barry Morphew was guilty, but they're not proving it very well. No, not at all. Right now, they are in court, you know, trying to decide if they should just throw the whole thing out 
And of course, you know, fighting back and forth on that. One of the lead investigators, this story, I swear to Christ, these people. (laughs) One of the lead investigators accidentally shot himself in the hand at his own house off duty a while ago. And because of that, there was uh, an internal affairs interview, you know, to decide if this person, you know, should have a gun anymore. That's right. my opinion, but I don't know. <laughs> but at any rate, when you shoot your hand off, dummy, anyway. Yeah. So in that internal affairs interview, he said, why they were talking about Barry Morphew at this time, I don't know. But he said that he believed that charging Barry was utter nonsense. Yeah. And that it is the biggest mistake and the worst decision that could have been made because there was absolutely not enough evidence to go to court with. And that uh, he had told the prosecutor he did not believe that they should be charging anyone at this point. They didn't have enough evidence to do any of that. And they just went ahead and went forward with it. So that, of course, is now coming up in court, uh, you know, in the defense's claims that uh, all this exculpatory evidence wasn't turned over to them. At least in a timely manner. There is DNA evidence from Suzanne's car from a known serial rapist in the area, or potentially, that's kind of a hairy uh, conversation. But uh, Because there's not a lot of DNA there. And they're grandstanding on it pretty good. Anyway, it's worrisome. It is worrisome. Super worrisome. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and for it to come out publicly that some of the investigators think it was a huge mistake to charge him and, you know, like... Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on over there in Fremont County, Colorado, but it, it's not good. <laughs> no, it is not good. It's not good. We have lead investigators shooting themselves in the hand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just a huge red flag. But, <laughs> but then to say so that it gets out publicly that this was a huge mistake and, mm-hmm. you know. Great. So good. Thank you. Yeah. So that's what's up with that case. I just have one more thing. This is not funny, but it made me laugh. So I'm going to share it with you. Mm. You guys know that I sometimes have terrible humor. Uh, Here's the part that's not funny. Barry Madoff's sister. Yes. Bernie, sorry. Bernie Madoff's sister and husband have killed themselves in a murder-suicide plot. Well, I guess not killed themselves. One of them was murdered. One of them was murdered. Yeah. They were 87 and 90 years old. Oh, my God. They were victims of him. Yeah. They lost $3 million to him. Uh, a lot of their family lost money to him or, or were kind of a part of what he did. He died in prison last year at the age of 82. I mean, these are all really elderly people. Right. So, uh, but yes, so her name was Sandra, Sandra Weiner, and his name was Marvin Weiner. <laughs> that's not uh, funny. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what is funny. Sandra's brother-in-law also worked for Madoff Securities and was sentenced to 10 years in prison for his involvement in this Ponzi scheme. And I am not kidding you. His name is Peter Wiener. 
I was waiting for it to be Harry, but Peter works too. <laughs> Who names their kid Peter Weeder? <laughs> I, right? Yeah. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> it's not funny, but that part just about killed me. Uh, anyway, that's all. Sometimes in true crime, you have to find something to laugh about. Yes, you yes, do. Linda. They did think that Barry was going to try and skip the country. And that's probably why they jumped the gun. Agreed. Well, and he's been so arrogant and like oh they just God. wanted to get him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for he's, sure. He's been such an insufferable jackass, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peter Wiener. Yeah. Anthony Wiener, who couldn't, you know, leave his Wiener alone and keep his right. in his like text- sending pictures of his Wiener. Yeah. Texting it out. Yeah. I think maybe if your last name is Wiener, the time has come. Go ahead into court and change it. Yeah. Or just go with Wiener. <laughs> That's I just don't cool know. of his parents, right? right. <laughs> yep. I oh, my goodness. Well, I think we did it. I think we did. That was some rapid fire crime. Yes, it was. So, and there's lots more out there, but this is what we could pack into uh, this episode. I just kept sending Christy more, and I know she was going... My God, <laughs> I was I was like, oh, I'm trying to read all the, the Daybell briefs because they're long, you know, and like, oh, my God, so much yeah. stuff. <laughs> so much. We're going to be back tomorrow for the psychic hour at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Mountain. I do have some really fun show and tell, but I knew I just couldn't get through it tonight because, well, oh. we just had too much going on. Right. So I'll have some fun show and tell for you tomorrow okay. night. Well, good. And that'll be great. And then, of course, we'll have all of new episodes next week all of our good stuff happening i'm going to be gone next week we'll have all of our episodes in place but uh christy you will be on your own for the psychic hour i'm gonna be flying i might have uh rhonda here with me but i don't know for sure if i will or not for the psychic hour it might just be me so we'll see yeah lots happening so yes and thank you for covering for me i appreciate you Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right, GB. It is dragons. That's all I do now is just true crime and print dragons. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad life. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> right? I need snacks. Yeah, that's it. There you go. <laughs> all righty, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Please be well. Take good care of yourselves. It's a weird time in the world. So make mm-hmm. sure that you are getting what you need. This has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thank <music> you.